Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we begin the study of the book of the Navi, the prophet Amos, uh, in English known as Amos. Amos was uh, a prophet who is known as one of the works of social justice. Uh, He was a contemporary of Isaiah. There are many themes that overlap. He was also a contemporary of Hosea, of Hosea, um, all of whom uh, had many ideas that overlapped. As we study the book of Amos, we will see some similarities and some differences. Um, He was also known uh, for being someone who uh, spoke truth to power. I know I'm using terms that are commonly used today in political discourse, but Amos was one of uh, the early ones who spoke strongly to the king Uh, about social justice issues, which we will see as we study this book. Um, Without uh, going through too much introduction, uh, we'll be introduced to Amos as we study the text itself. So let us begin with verse 1. Divrei Amos, these are the words of Amos. Asher hayob banoktim, that he was um, in noktim. He was in the business of noktim. He was one of the people that was a nokade who is uh, someone who raises sheep. Uh, this, some translate this as a shepherd. Uh, more accurately, this is someone who raises sheep. So sometimes some translations say that is a sheep breeder. But either way, Amos uh, was in the sheep business. And uh, he, um, along with many, many of the other prophets and heroes of the Torah, of the Bible, such as Moses, uh, Moshe, who, uh, who was a shepherd, and uh, David. So Amos was also in that same tradition. And he was from a place, Mitekoa, from a place called Tekoa. Now exactly where the location of Tekoa is, is somewhat uh, unclear. Uh, there are other places um, in the uh, Bible, such as in Yehoshua and Joshua 15, where it would seem that the place Tekoa is in the southern kingdom of Judah, of Yehuda, uh, from the book of Josephus, he identifies it as a location about 12 miles from Jerusalem. Um, so uh, that would place Amos in the southern kingdom of Judah. Others, uh, such as the Radak, describe uh, Tekoa as a place in the portion of the tribe of Asher, of Asher, which would make him a, a native of the northern kingdom of Israel. Either way, we'll find that most of his prophecies are directed at the northern kingdom of Israel, but certainly a lot of what he says is, is, is also addressed to both. So either he was a native of the south or the north, but a lot of his words were directed towards the north. Um, uh, so these are his words, Asher Chazah, that he saw. This is a language, Chazah, a, a vision that he saw, similar to the words with Isaiah started out with Chazon, Ishayahu, that he saw Al Yisrael regarding Israel. Now Israel here probably refers to the northern kingdom because Yisrael as opposed to Yehuda. And he saw it when Bimei Uziah Melech Yehuda, during the days of the reign of Uziah, the king of Yehuda. Um, this dates him, so we now know when he lived. We know that Uziah was the king in the very early days of Isaiah's career. We know that he was also the king when Hosea was, was prophesizing. So we now know that Amos was in a contemporaneous time, but earlier than those two. Um, 
And it's uh, important that he was during the reign of Uziah because we know that during the reign of Uziah was also when uh, a, a certain earthquake happened, which we're about to read about. And he was also during the days when the king Melech Yisrael, the king of Israel, again Yisrael referring to the northern kingdom of, of Jeroboam, the son of Yoash, um, that's sometimes known as Jeroboam II, who was one of the most successful and most powerful and strongest kings of the northern kingdom's history. Uh, in his time, he was able to conquer many lands and expand the boundaries um, of the northern kingdom. It was a time of prosperity, at least for the rich, but also a time of se severe and significant disparity among the classes where the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. And we will see that this drove Amos, the prophet Amos, to, to uh, criticize and rebuke the people of the north and, and, uh, and to try to um, bring more justice and more um, uh, social justice to the people of the north. So during that reign of Imshin Asayim, this happened two years Lifnei Harash, before the major earthquake, which happened during the reign of Uziah the king. Uh, this earthquake is mentioned other places in the Bible, such as in Zechariah and Zechariah. Um, this was a major event, catastrophic event that happened by Yomar, and he said, Amos started with the following words, Ad, and these words we just heard in the last chapter of Joel. Vayomar, he said, Adonai mitzi o nishag. God cries out and roars from Zion, Yerushalayim, and it's from Jerusalem, Yitain Kolo, that he makes his voice come be heard. So and those exact same words were, were in Joel before. Um, and we also found similar ideas in Isaiah, Kimitzion te Torah, that the word of God comes from Zion. That is where. Um, uh, the center from which the influence of God is meant to go out to the rest of the world. The idea that the Jewish people worshiping God in the temple are meant to bring that message to the entire world is being reiterated here. However, God is going to scream out, on, and, and unfortunately, there is going to be suffering in the future. And the pastures where the shepherds are, are, uh, bring their sheep will be avlu, they will be, um, they will mourn, they will, they will uh, deteriorate uh, in one day in the future via Vesh Rosha Carmel, and the green verdant hills are going to dry out. There will be a time of suffering coming. Remember, he's talking during a time of relative peace and relative prosperity. However, because the people are, 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 are not living appropriately and not learning the proper lessons, this time will come. Amos is going to get back to that idea uh, in more detail. But he starts by turning his attention to the nations surrounding Israel. Um, and I, very similar to Yeshayahu, who also had in Isaiah, who also similarly directed his attention towards the other nations surrounding Israel. And the, uh, but however, here Amos is criticizing those nations. And, it, and I want you to pay close attention to what exactly he is that he's criticizing. So let us begin his criticism with verse 3. Ko amar Adonai, so says God. Now the prophet is speaking in God's name. Al shilosha pish'e damesek. Over the three sins or transgressions of Damascus, which is the capital of the nation of Aram uh, in, mo in modern-day Syria, 
Um, I will. I could pass over the three sins that they did, Vialarba, but on the fourth one, Loashiveno, I cannot uh, turn that one back. I cannot turn that one away. I cannot ignore it. And what is that fourth sin? Because they threshed and crushed with the threshers of made of iron, the people of the northern kingdom, the people of Gilad. Now, um, what this is, uh, uh, this idea that God can have patience for a while. He gives people a chance. On the three times they sin, God gives it a chance. This is a very important idea that Amos is expressing here. Uh, however, at some point, it gets to a point where God needs to come and punish. He doesn't want to, which is why he waited the first three. This also is hinted at in a very, very famous rabbinic idea that once a person does a sin three times, it comes it's to him as if it's now okay. In other words, once a person or a nation in this case gets so does does a pro, has a problem and the problem gets repeated and repeated and repeated to the extent that it becomes part of the culture, it becomes extremely difficult, almost impossible to extricate themselves from that terrible uh, uh, sin that they're doing. In fact, as we know, once it becomes so common, people become cynical and they, th they don't even think there's anything wrong with it anymore. It becomes such a part of the society. And, and that's what the idea that Amos is saying here, that the society, in this particular case of Aram, of the people of Damascus, had reached the point where there was where they they, they were they were hopeless now. It had become ingrained in the society, and what was the problem? Al Now this means we know there were wars between the people of Aram and the northern kingdom of Israel. However, when the people of Aram were victorious, they weren't just victorious, but they crushed with iron threshes. This could mean excessive cruelty, but more so, and we find this in other places in the Torah, more specifically in the story of David, where this was done as, as a method of humiliation, humiliating the enemies. In other words, it's one thing to have a war and conquer the enemy. That's, that could be okay under circumstances. Uh, uh, how, uh, however, but to humiliate the enemy, that's unnecessary. That's beyond. And that's where God says, no, this much I can't. I won't take anymore. So what's the punishment? I will send fire to consume the house of Chazael, which was the name of one of the kings of Aram, and the fortresses of Ben-Hadad, another one of the kings of, of Damascus. I will, I will, the fire will consume it. And the bolts which lock the gates of Damascus and keep the enemies out, I'm going to crack those bolts. And I will end, I will cut out, wipe out the, those that live in the valley of Aven, the valley, uh, 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 often this could be translated as the valley of iniquity. And I will remove the, the, the scepter of rulership from the house of Eden, the, king, the house of the kings there in Aram. The Galu Amaram and the nation of Aram will be exiled, Kira to a place called Kir, Omar Adonai, so says God. So God cannot tolerate that kind of attitude that leads to not just conquering an enemy, but humiliating the enemy, humiliating the other. Ko Omar Adonai, this is verse 6, now he turns his attention to another nation, the nation of the Philistines, living in 
Aza, or nowadays known as Gaza, in that region. On three of their sins, I could overlook it. But on the fourth, no, I can't turn that one around. I can't give that one back. I must take action. And what is that? And when they conquered the enemies, when they conquered, presumably the people of Judah, but it could be any of their enemies here, not only did they conquer them, but they went and they sold them off as slaves. They sent them into exile to the lands of the Edomites where they knew that they would become enslaved. They knew that they would become stuck. So not just to conquer the enemy, but to take the people and further, not just humiliate them, but further enslave them, further make it worse. They do, and this is, again, the cruelty, the double cruelty of conquering them and then sending them into a situation where they're going to remain conquered, where they'll never have a chance to rebuild themselves, never have a chance to rebuild their lives. What, that is the second thing. That kind of arrogance God says, I cannot handle. And what am I going to do? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to send a fire to the walls of Gaza and, and, I will, and the fire will consume the fortresses. And those that live in Ashdod, which is a city in that region, and the scepter of the ruler of the city of Ashkelon, again a city in that region, and I will put my hand, send my hand out over Ekron, another city, and the remnant of the Philistines will be gone, so says God. So now he turns his attention to another nation. So says God, on three of the sins of Tyre. Uh, I, I, can, I can overlook a little, but but on the fourth, I will not, I cannot look it away. I cannot turn that one away. And what is that? They behaved in a similar way that the Philistines did. They took their, their, their conquered enemies and sold them off into slavery. But more of a they didn't remember the friendships that they had, the agreements that they had, the treaties that they signed. We know that Tzor, in the times of Solomon, had a, a very close, friendly relationship with the people of Israel and Judah and King Solomon. There was a friendly relationship. They helped each other. They even donated a wood for the, um, for the building of the temple. But all of those treaties they threw in the garbage. They were unfaithful. They didn't remember the brotherly love that they had, and they turned their backs on them. And for that... I'm going to do the same thing. God says, I'm going to send flames against the walls of Tyre, and her fortresses will be burnt as well. So now, a third thing. Number one, it was uh, um, the humiliating the enemy. Number two, making the enemy, uh, crushing them to the extent that they'll never have a chance to rebuild themselves by selling them away. And number three, ignoring relationships, ignoring friendships and ignoring the good word that you had previously put down. Then he turns his, his attention to another nation, on three sins of the people of Edom. I, I can pass over, but I cannot look over the fourth. And what is that? Because he chased his brothers with sword. This is by many of the commentaries looked upon. Edom is a descendant of Esau, and Esau, we know, chased his brother Jacob, his brother Yaakov. Um, so that was, that's, this is a reference to that. But based on the flow of the chapter here, this is clearly referring to the Edomites of the time of Amos. And apparently they would chase after their brothers. And this is a very difficult phrase to translate. But I'm going to translate. And he destroyed the, the, um, 
the mercy that should have been within him. He had the nature to be merciful. That's a natural human nature to be merciful, especially when you're closely related to the people of Israel, because the people of Edom also descended from the same stock. However, she hate Rachamov. He just he actively said, "No, I will not be merciful, but I will be mean. I will be treat them in, improperly." By Yitrofel Arapo, and his and 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 he did this why? Because his anger ate him up inside. He was so angry that he crushed any shred of mercy that he could have had. The ever so and all he had left forever was his anger and his fury. And therefore, because he did that, because he did not act mercifully and he destroyed it, his mercy, I will send fire against Timon, and, and it will destroy the fortresses of Batra, which was a city in the land of Edom. And then Amos turns his attention to another nation of Ammon. On three sins of the people of Ammon, I will pass over, but not on the fourth. And what is that? Because they attacked the mountains of Gilad of the northern kingdom. They attacked only for selfish reasons, which was to widen their boundaries. They had no reason to fight, no reason to wage war. They waged war only for selfish purposes. And someone that does that, I will send flames to their great walls, and they will consume their fortresses, with loud noises and 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 blasts of of a shofar of a ram's horn on the day of war besar biyom sufa in a huge storm a day of a violent stormy storm biholach malcolm bagola and their king will go off in exile who visarav yachtav he and all of his his officers with him amara the so says God so Amos picked five nations here and criticized them. And let me just point out again real quick the five things that he criticized that not just that they wage war, the first one was that they humiliate the enemy, the, the, the threshers of iron. Not only did they humiliate the enemy, and the second one, it was the other nation, he criticized them for making them suffer more than necessary, as enslaving them to another nation so that they'll never return. And the, the third was against the people of Tyre for ignoring their friendship and ignoring the agreements that they made and being ungrateful. And then the fourth one was acting with no mercy. Shichet Rachamov, the people of Edom, destroyed the mercy within them and, 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 and acted with rage and rage only. And then the fifth was acting completely selfishly, waging war and engaging in violence for totally selfish reasons, for no other reason than just financial gain for themselves. So these are the things that Amos was pointing his fingers against and criticizing among the nations around the world. Amos will continue in the next one, uh, looking at other nations, but this is the end of the first chapter of Amos. I would like to point out um, one of the glaring differences between Amos and the, the prophet Joel who preceded Amos was that Joel pointedly never ever mentions what the sins are that he's criticizing the people for, whereas Amos pointedly criticizes them specifically. Very clearly he points out what the problem is. Why that is, uh, you can think about and we can discuss, but um, it's just a point that I wanted to to mention. Uh, I am happy that you decided to join us for the first chapter of Amos. Looking forward to continuing to study this book together as we continue chapter 2 in our next podcast.